you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Remember when we were going to build a wall? Yeah, I remember that. Going to build the wall. And people are like, we don't even need a wall. I think everybody knows now we need a freaking wall. Even the mayor of New York City would say, hey, how about that wall right now, right? right. You know, we're yes. We're going to build the wall, okay? Believe me. Right. Well, we had the materials to build the wall. And then Biden gets into office. No more wall. Walls are evil, apparently. Don't want any of those. Mm-mm. Did you see the story where Biden is quietly selling off border wall material? What? So that the project will not begin again? Like freaking Joe Depot? Yeah, yes. Much. What is going on? You need some steel bollard fencing? Yeah, we got it for you. That's unbelievable. And of course, legacy media is not going to report that. Not right now. Not when you have these mayors of different American cities saying we cannot handle all the illegal immigration that's coming into our town. We need to protect the border. Joe's like, hey, that wall, it's just going to waste. Might well sell that off. Like, holy cow, man. This is crazy. Hey, do that. He's sending it to his rich donors on the West Coast so they can, you know, bolster their own home defenses. (laughs) Well, it's, it's through a Canadian company that it's being sold. That's what's so frustrating about it. And so as Republicans right now, and this is the way the story goes, I saw this at Fox, a lot of people were on this over the weekend, trying to pass legislation to finish the wall. But the administration is selling off millions of dollars of the wall materials as quickly as possible. So far, 81 lots of 28-foot-tall hollow beams have been sold for about $2 million. And there's pictures of steel square structural tubes for sale on GovPlanet, which is an online auction marketplace. It's run by a publicly traded Canadian company. Hmm. So if you want to bid on that stuff, I know you're a collector, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Piece of the wall. Here's the wall that was never built. <sighs> I thought maybe they just sent it to Zelensky. They sent him everything else. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he could build a wall. There you yeah, go. Right. I like yes. it. Uh, but yeah, that's one of those stories where you tell your buddies about it, and they're like, are you joking me? Really? Why is no one talking about this? It's like, well, if you haven't noticed, uh, as far as legacy media, that's the whole gig is to protect the Biden administration and the Democrats. And I know that might sound crazy to some people, but that's pretty much the truth. Um, now the guy, of course, that started bringing up the need for a wall, Donald Trump, he's got all these indictments, everything else. He announced over the weekend he's not going to be a part of the Republican debates. I don't think that's a surprise to yeah. most people. But instead, he's going to be sitting down for an interview with Tucker Carlson. What were your thoughts when you heard that? Well, I, I hope Tucker doesn't man down on this. I mean, because he's hammered pretty much every Republican so far, and I hope it just doesn't turn into a love fest necessarily. You know, I don't want to see him be unfair to Donald Trump, but, you know, in, in some ways my first gut reaction is that could actually be more, you know, damaging than going to a debate. It could be. Just depends on how Tucker goes about it and how much he's going to hold his feet to the fire on some things. Because Tucker, as we know, has been critical of Trump in the past. Some of that came out with that whole lawsuit with Fox and Dominion 
of things that he had said or texted. Is it a demonic force or a demonic presence or something like that? That's yes, he, he could Trump. take us all down. Yeah. Not going to allow that to happen. Well, and I remember, you know, at the time even playing this when Tucker was upset with Trump, not giving more support to the people that went to the Capitol January 6th mm. and, you know, maybe went through wide open doors and then got arrested. And, you know, where was he? Where was he during a lot of different things? I'm like, do I still have the clip of that? And actually, I did, if you remember. On Twitter the next morning, the president reassured America that he and his family were just fine. The federally funded bodyguards had kept them safe. He did not mention protecting the rest of the nation, much of which was then on fire. He seemed aware only of himself. This was in 2020. For people who like Donald Trump, who voted for Donald Trump, who support his policies, who have defended him for years and years against the most absurd kinds of slander, this was a distressing moment. The first requirement of leadership is that you watch over the people in your care. That's what soldiers want from their officers. It's what families need from their fathers. It's what voters demand from their presidents. Yeah. People will put up with almost anything if you do that. You can regularly say embarrassing things on television. You can hire Omarosa to work at the White House. <laughs> All of that will be forgiven if you protect your people. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's been different times that he's been critical of Trump. So I've heard some different people just say, oh, it's going to be a softball and it's going to be all this. I don't know, man. That's the no. one thing about Tucker. I don't think you ever really know what you're going to get. Yeah. I don't think, I think it will be. I think that's still true. I, I don't think it will be. I think feet will be held to the fire numerous occasions. I don't think Donald Trump, uh, I, there's going to be a little squirming going on because that's Tucker. But yeah. To suck up would not be Tucker. Well, I think, you know, I think there's going to be a spirited back and forth at the least. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But these guys have known each other for years. Remember the one story? that Tucker told, and this has been years ago now, that Tucker was on, and this was early in his career, somewhere, and he was making comments about Trump's hair, and Trump then sent him a handwritten note that said, uh, you may have better hair than me, but I get way more. Oh, yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Golly. Wasn't that early 2000s, late 90s, something like that? Yeah, they've known each other for a long time, so yeah. this is going to be really interesting. Meanwhile, people are talking about Ron DeSantis. Like, yeah. oh, th this was the moment that did him in. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I Anyway, we'll just get to the clip here. I didn't edit it down because too many people are doing that, and I want everyone to, I guess, see what he actually said or hear what he actually said. Well, in uh, context, yeah. So, yeah, Ron DeSantis, he's accused of having his very own deplorables moment. During an interview with the Florida Standard, he was asked about being called a rhino, Republican in name only. He's been called a swamp creature, all of that stuff by Trump campaign surrogates. Yes. Roll it. We have a strand in our, in our party that views supporting Trump as whether you are um, a, a rhino or not. And so you could be the most conservative person since sliced bread. Unless you're kissing his rear end, they will somehow call you a rhino. So it's been totally detached from principle and what you actually believe and results. And it's more about, you know, just what faction you happen to do. So there'll be people uh, who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have like incredibly liberal left-wing records that that's really just atrocious and yet they're viewed as by by some of these folks as like as like really really good then you have other people you know like a congressman chip roy who's endorsed me congressman thomas massey these guys have records of principle 
fighting the swamp that are second to none. Okay, timeout right there. Yeah, because it's a long clip. Are you down with what he has said so far? Yeah, I think so. I mean, during the whole House Speaker debacle that happened earlier this year, uh, there were people saying that Chip Roy was a rhino because he wouldn't go along with Kevin McCarthy being the <laughs> wouldn't rubber stamp Kevin McCarthy. It was nonsense. As the <laughs> as the speaker of the house and i'm like you're you're really going to turn on one of the most reliably conservative house members because he won't go with one of the not most reliably conservative house members i mean okay that's your right to do that but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense you can criticize him but calling him this like rhino globalist chill or whatever is is patently absurd totally agree with that totally agree all right back to the clip and yet they will be attacked by some of these people and, and called rhinos. Uh, so it's just been totally detached from any type of substance. And ultimately, a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people? And that's got to be based in principle. Uh, because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, th- that's not going to be a durable movement. Listless mm-hmm. vessels. That's yeah. what's getting all the attention. Yeah. And the attention is that people are saying, oh, he's calling all of Trump supporters listless vessels. No, I think he was saying if that's what we're supposed to be as Republicans or as conservatives, I yeah. think that. I don't know. I To me, like I hear it and I think, yeah, you probably could have gone about it a little differently to avoid any sort of controversy. But at the same time, for some of the folks that are so upset about it, I'm, I'm like, why are you being such a snowflake, dude? <laughs> I mean, that's I think right. part, of, part of the game plan now is to 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 go after Trump. Yeah. And he's been very passive up to this point in time. Didn't want to dip his toe in the water. Didn't want to say anything negative. And I think you look appalling there. You say to yourself, it's time to make a change. Well. Yeah, at the you same elite, time. Elite, and that wasn't a vicious attack. That was just like, look, don't follow the leader all the time, right? Hey, it's like, hey, this is just part of the game right now. Right. That's just what it is. But I think he does have to be careful, David. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And you got to part, you got to choose your words carefully. Well, but at yeah. the same time, you need to go at him because he's the guy that's leading. You need to take that down. It's if a you're, dance, if you're man. DeSantis. It is. It's a dance of sort of living in the tension of, okay, you want to you know, criticize different policies that didn't work out or mm-hmm. the promises that were made that weren't kept. But at the same time, yes, praise the things that Trump did so well because people haven't forgot about right. that. It's kind of everybody tiptoeing around it, though. If it was a dance, it'd be the chicken dance because everybody's afraid. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I don't think you... Honestly, <laughs> if you're going to gain people's respect, you can't do that either. Right. You just got to speak it and just let the results be what they're yeah, going to be. I agree. And just... You know, roll with it from there. Let them know who you are. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wanted to bring this up just to say, you know, on a Monday, sometimes it's a slow start. You're like, oh, man, I got to get back to work. And there's, you know, all this stuff going on. Um, it could be worse. Um, you could be like this particular woman who loses your mind, you know, just because uh, there's something parked in the bike lane and it happens to be an ambulance. This is a woman in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, so you're riding your bike, and then there's this ambulance. And, of course, does she know why the ambulance is parked there? Maybe they needed to be. You don't know. But the meltdown starts. And here you go. I am losing my mind.
My point is, if you're having a rough start getting back into it on a Monday, it could always yeah, be worse. That, you could... It could be worse. <laughs> I yeah, wonder said. who she's married to or dating. Uh, nobody. Holy that's cow. A, that's a very yo. lonely person. Man. Woo. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, there you go. There's some crazies out there. No doubt about that. Um, no way. Was Kid Rock spotted drinking a Bud Light? Is that true? No. We'll get, we'll get no. to that. And the real reason Maui burned. Wow. Straight ahead right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. All right, David. You sent us the story saying the real reason Maui burned. What is the yeah. real reason? Well, I, I don't know. I, I keep seeing a news story after news story. I saw it on Axios today that the wild, the awful wildfire on Maui was was about climate change. Like, clearly, obviously, that was about climate change. My like, goodness. it's just a given. It's not. None of the actual experts are making that case. And w- w- I thought it was interesting, though, to see Reuters actually did some reporting. Really? Said, yeah, we, we actually did a deep dive into this. And, well, it turns out that this has been literally over 100 years in the making because of how the land has been managed, something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when this story first started, when this tragedy first began. But they made the point early on in the days before the wildfire, uh, temperatures uh, there simmered in the high 80s Fahrenheit, about average for that time of year. It was a little drier than usual. Uh, But then warmer temperatures weren't the driving factor in Maui, which only saw a small background signal of climate change, according to a climatologist at Clark University in Massachusetts. No, it was invasive grasses that were the largest factor at play with this fire. And part of their deep dive into this is that it started in the early 1800s. People were going to the island, building over wetlands, and developed the land to make it suitable for plantations. Now, by the 90s, the 1990s, the plantation lands were largely abandoned, but the forest and native shrubland did not return. Well, African grasses took over. They'd been introduced to the islands as pasture for livestock. The grassland expansion over the last century has coincided with a roughly 400% increase in wildfires. So they don't know. So what you're actually... blaming the African grasses. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Well, that, well, that's the thing. I mean, when, when, whenever you talk about like what what is happening out there that is making this uh, occur, a lot of it, uh, you know, wildfires more common or wildfires spreading more quickly, and a lot of it has to do with the planting and cultivation of drought-resistant grass because drought-resistant only means it doesn't die if there's a drought right but it'll still get very very dry and then if you have a fire guess what it's a tinderbox it goes up very very quickly yeah that's real reporting man because you had this story a couple weeks ago and now the fact that reuters is going with it yeah wow because we also found out the other day what 2019 they knew they had an issue yep as far as the wildfire season that year was pretty bad and they were going to have to do some stuff, you know, as far as the electric company, as far as preventative measures. And they weren't done because they were refocusing to renewables. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to that story that, you know, a lot of people are probably never going to know because there is a narrative out there. Here was some breaking news over the weekend. Holy smokes, was it true? Was Kid Rock spotted drinking a Bud Light? No uh, way. No way. Because you remember... That whole thing with Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney, and Kid Rock was not happy, and he got, what was it, like a whole case of Bud Light and went. 
unloaded Bud on. Bud Light. What was that? Remember? Oh, yeah. Bleep Bud Light. Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch. Have a terrific day. Hmm. But the story is, over the weekend, he's in Nashville at a concert, and there's a picture taken of him drinking a Bud Light. What? Yes. How could it be? How much did AB pay him to do that? We don't know yet. This is going to be a breaking story as soon as we get more information. We will keep you updated on this controversy. I would just say, here's the thing about alcoholism. It's about not about choice. It's about availability. <laughs> that is true. That's very true, David. Yeah, you'll drink anything. Well, you know, was he just there because it looked like he was upstairs somewhere? So did someone just say, hey, do you want a beer? And he said, yeah, and he just grabbed it. I don't know. And if he did, if that was it, uh, do you blame him for that? Because some people are saying, we need to cancel Kid Rock. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I know pictures are weird because you could put anything in there, right? You could pixelize it and put, like, a Bud Light can in his hand. Who knows? Well, let's say for the sake of argument it was a Bud Light can. Do you think worse of Kid Rock? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Made a big deal out of it. Okay. Come on, dude. All right. Uh, f- Let me ask you this, because we've talked a whole lot about it. If I drank a Budweiser Zero, the non-alcoholic Budweiser Zero, uh-huh. because it, someone offered it to me, would that make me a bad person? Yes. I'm a bad person. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding anyway. I'm a just- you know, part of my son's job is cleaning out golf carts. Yeah. And there was an unopened Bud Zero. Uh-huh. And he saw it and he goes, well, my dad drinks this occasionally. I'll bring it home to him. Hmm. And he did. And dad popped it and drank it. Well, I, I had it in the fridge for a couple of weeks. But you listen to all your Liza records after that? or No, I'm just saying that I, I guess I'm guilty in some sort of way, but I'm not okay. sorry about it. Well, good for you. He whiz. Okay, much more to get to. Oh, and you got to get the update from Los Angeles. Wow, straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer. Scott Robbins. Okay. Los Angeles, what's going on there? Well, crime crime is out of control in major progressive-run cities. Los Angeles, yet another example of this, as organized retail theft is scaring the hell out of business owners. We were just talking about something last week, massive smash-and-grab that happened at a mall. I mean, it's just out of control. Yep. Uh, on NPR, though, Mayor Karen Baz said, you know, it's not really <laughs> that bad. Karen Baz, mm-hmm. not that bad. Okay, let's hear this. Well, what I want them to know is that they are safe in Los Angeles. Crime trends show crime going down. However, when you have a spectacular type crime happen like this. Time out for a second. Do we know that for a fact? That really crime is down or did they make more things legal? Right. Sometimes okay. that happens and then they can say, yeah, crime's down. Well, that, yeah, it, it's about what resources are going where a lot of times. And so I guess compared to last year, which was a banner year for the City of Angels, uh, it is down slightly. But again, like you pointed out, I mean, if you have fewer and fewer people on the street actually taking care of criminals, actually getting them off the streets, then the stats actually look better than what the reality is. Right. Okay. 
Go ahead, Karen. Bath. It does create a sense of fear, but one of the reasons it does is because it's exploited by the press oh, <laughs> and especially the conservative press that oh, wants to boy. paint Los Angeles and many other Democratic run cities as though we are in a crisis of crime. And that is not the case. Yeah. Why are everyone? Why is everybody leaving? Yeah, there, a lot nobody of ever asks these people that question. Why is that? Explain that to me. Because Why are people imagined? leaving? Why? No, a lot of times people have experienced it. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, and we it. know why they're leaving, but why can't why can't anybody ask these idiots, hey, if everything's so safe well, and it's so great, why are people leaving at record numbers? Why is that happening? Well, remember, Why would w- they leave this paradise? Well, this- they would answer the same way. It's, well, conservatives are scaring oh, people. The media's making it up? Okay, all right. Well, remember, this was also NPR that was doing the interview. So. Unbelievable. Right. Unfreaking yeah. believable. <laughs> Doesn't it affect really is. me? Yeah. Wow, man, that's something. Uh okay. Something else I wanted to get to. Oh, you know what? I will just uh, save this story for what's your story because I, boy, I have another confession to make from over the weekend. Something that I'm honestly not that proud about. Um, but that's what we do on the show. We oh. confess stuff and we get the truth circle, and that's just part of it. But for now. Um, may not be the biggest story out there. It's that time of the show to go around the table and ask David first. Today, what's your story? I love this one. CNN is now whining because apparently on the culture war issues, conservatives are only winning the argument because they use verbal jujitsu. That's the actual term. Verbal jujitsu? Yeah, that's the actual term that's used. Republicans, as the article states, are masters of verbal jujitsu. It's a form of linguistic combat in which the practitioner takes a political phrase or a concept popularized by their opponent and gradually turns it into an unusable slur. Consider the evolution of woke. The word is defined as being actively aware of social injustice, but has been transformed into a contemporary scourge. That's because they ruined it. You ruined They ruined it. We didn't ruin it. And, oh, think about critical race theory, diversity, global warming, even the word liberal itself. It has been redefined or tarnished by conservatives. No, man, it's been ruined by your own people. Absolutely. How about MAGA this, MAGA that, MAGA the other thing? Right. Uh, Oh, uh, one uh, one example was social justice warrior, for example. Didn't start off as an insult. Then the term was turned by conservatives and Internet culture into something else. A whiny, self-righteous progressive who can't take a joke. Because that's what it was. That's who they are. Yes. I can remember first hearing about social justice in the late aughts. And it was like this noble thing. People were looking out for the rights of those that were less fortunate. And then you watched what happened with the movement. And part of that, honestly, was 2014 and Michael Brown Mm -hmm. and that fake story. And then the rise of BLM. And you're like, well, hold on a second. What they're talking about doesn't match the actions. Mm -hmm. And then you're looking at just what's factual and what's not. And they completely lost it. Yep. To what it means is you're excusing crime. And people are like, no, we're not down with that. We're out. (laughs) Man, oh, man. When you call it verbal jujitsu. Yeah. (laughs) Like that, that's honestly, that's giving, I think, the uh, conservative messaging uh, 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 ecosystem a little bit too much credit. I think, like, they actually claimed 
who is this? Lindsey Cormack, a political scientist who focuses on race, gender, uh, communications, and politics, says that conservatives have a built-in think tank ecosystem of linguists and focus groups to test words and phrases for political battle. No. I have never been part of any no. sort of focus group no. or, or, or think tank or whatever. It's just you notice, hey, all these people who are talking about critical race theory, DEI, boy, they seem like a bunch of really annoying communists, don't they? Well, again, man, all you're using is facts. That's it. When you're talking about gender, okay, and you're the social justice warrior, you throw facts at someone and they cower. And it goes back to feelings. Well, but that's, that's not their truth. No, 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 no. There's just truth. There's two sexes. There's male and female. And that's it. And then they're like, oh, the, the, that's liberal. And the, it's jujitsu with language. Ah. And you end up just sounding like a big. <laughs> that's all it is. Because you can't win the argument. Right. Because it's nonsensical. That's all that it is. In, in verbal jujitsu, are we going to get rid of the colors of the belts, too? <laughs> Very much so. There's racism there. I Better much. Yep. Uh, yes, there is. Okay. That makes sense to me. It's your yellows, your reds. Get your all whites, of you your people browns, together. Blacks, and it just yeah. sounds like a, no. all of them. Oh, it's not fair. They won the argument with facts. <laughs> okay, <laughs> easy kitty. All right, Scott. What's your story? Um, I know it's early in the week, just a Monday, but I am off, off already putting in the dumbest tweet of the week award. Oh, I'm going to give it up right now to a Pennsylvania congressman by the name of Salem Snow. This guy is uh, a social worker, and he's running for Congress in Pennsylvania. He tweeted this out over the weekend. Okay. You do understand that reparations would come from the government and not your wallet, right? Where do you think the government gets its money, you moron? You idiot. You fool. This guy's running for Congress. It's that stupid and running for Congress. Now, that, that's just your verbal jujitsu coming out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, which came first, right? The government or the people who fund it? I, yeah, uh, what? It's not taxpayer money. It's government money. What a dope. All right, for my story, I have a confession to make. May have watched all of a miniseries on Netflix over the weekend. Oh, mm -hmm. no. Oh, no. Depp versus Heard. One of the ladies in the house had it on at the start, uh -huh. and now I'm in the room, and so I watch it, mm -hmm. and then it's three episodes long. Did you even know this was a thing? No. I knew it was there. Um, I haven't the, seen it. And no. I'm, sure one of the it. I'm sure one of the ladies in the house had a gun to your head the entire time that made you sit and watch it. They went, and they got my SIG, <laughs> and they said, you will not move. You have to watch it. And so I was a victim. How did they and handle the it. bed defecating scene? With hilarity. Okay. So basically, all right, I'll admit this. It was interesting because when that whole trial was going on and Johnny Depp is suing Amber Heard for defamation and all of that, we talked about it, but we, we weren't as deep into it as, you know, some were. But we were watching saying, man, this is really captivating the, the country. It wasn't just the country. It was all over the world. I mean, when they show how many people basically stopped their lives to watch this, it's alarming. We've gone to this new place in society that was honestly a little scary. Mm -hmm. 
And all I can think is, why are so many people invested in this? And then it's like Johnny Depp's this hero. And while I was thinking at the time, okay, he could have been falsely accused of some stuff here. A lot of stuff that came out in that trial didn't make him look very good at all. I remember thinking at the time, I, we said, these are a couple of bad people. Yeah, mutual combatants. Yes, very much so. And it's too bad that it had to go on like this, but by putting that trial out there on TV, man, and all of the reaction was really something. Um, and yes, that part, because of part of this too, like for my wife, she wasn't following it at the time, and she's like trying to come to grips with, wait a second, to her that... That woman there took a dump in their bed, like on Johnny Depp's pillow yeah. after a fight? <laughs> like, yeah. yes, you don't remember this? Mm -hmm. No, I didn't even know this part. And so, yeah, they had that whole part again. And it is to see Depp talk about it when he delivers the word grotesque. <laughs> it's so hilarious because they I think she blamed it on the dog was the deal, yeah. if you remember this. She brought the up the situation right. of the fecal matter on the bed. It was so outside. It was so bizarre and so grotesque <laughs> that I could only laugh. And <laughs> and she just tried to blame it on the dogs. And so then they're asking him, you know, what the dogs or whatever. They're teacup Yorkies. They weigh about four pounds each. I lived with those dogs for many years. It was clear. That did not come from a dog. <laughs> what Man. an absolute bleep show the entire thing was. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it shows you where we're at now as far as social media and following mm -hmm. these types of stories. It's just sort of a sad place. But then I see the story, and I'm laughing to myself, because, you know, Johnny Depp, not only an actor, he's in... You know, some bands. He's been in the band Hollywood Vampires with Alice Cooper and Joe Perry for a while. So someone brings this up to Alice Cooper. And Alice says, yeah, as far as rebooting the movie War of the Roses with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, that's a great idea. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. He said, who wouldn't go see Oh, that? hell, everybody would. <laughs> yes. But I saw that story. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, so they had this... Reboot idea. This oh, was man. an interview published uh, in the UK newspaper, The Times. Uh, Cooper said he and Johnny Depp never talked about the relationship with Heard. Um, he said, I have said it's a great idea. You and Amber do this remake. Who wouldn't go see it? Oh, everybody would. Yes. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But, yeah, something that's, I don't know, commentary on common culture and at the same time sort of funny. Wow. That's my story for today. Yeah, I admit it. I, I'd go see it. I would too. Yeah, definitely. No, no one forced me to watch that stupid series. <laughs> I got sucked in. I admit it. You watched all the episodes. You did the whole three thing. of them. Oh, okay. three okay. hours of your life. Yeah. yeah well, well, they were, they weren't quite an hour. Leave me alone. <laughs> all right. Update on this Hunter Biden thing. This is crazy. Straight ahead, right here. All right. The Marshley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. When I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the a lot of troubles. Troubles getting it out. Trouble covering for his son. That trouble is going to be going on for a while. Mm -hmm. Well, an update.
Yeah. Well, the the failing New York Times has an update on the Hunter Biden case. Remember how the uh, prosecutor, David Weiss, struck this crazy good deal with Hunter, basically wiping away all charges? Yes. Yeah, he'll plead guilty. But uh, you're not going to do any jail time, pay a little fine, pay your taxes, whatever. Bada-bing, bada-boom, bye-bye. See you later. Don't do it again, pal. Evidently, the initial plan was uh, to not prosecute Hunter at all. As the failing New York Times says, uh, earlier this year, Mr. Weiss appeared willing to forego any prosecution of Hunter Biden, and his office came close to agreeing to end the investigation. Uh, But the correspondence that they got their hands on is like 200 pages of private memos back and forth, uh, reveals that his position relayed through his staff changed in the spring. Right around the time, a pair of IRS officials on the case accused the Justice Department of hamstringing the investigation. The whistleblowers blew this thing totally up. They really did. Yep. Mr. Weiss suddenly demanded that Mr. Biden plead guilty to committing tax offenses. Now, the IRS agents and their Republican allies, don't you love (laughs) how they frame that? They're Republican Republican allies. allies. One of them is a Democrat. Can we just go after the truth? Can we just do that (laughs) without politicizing it, you hacks? I mean, it, it is actually amazing that these these two men came out, said what they said, and that actually forced this crazy plea deal to get cobbled together. And then it blew up because a judge actually read the filing. Yes. It's filthy, man. It's so dirty and so corrupt. And I understand most people don't know it. I'm surprised the failing New York Times even had it. Yeah. Because then if your mind is working like mine, it's okay, why? Because it seems like almost the decision's been made. We're going to have to ride this out with Joe as far as the Democratic power brokers. But are they? Mm. I don't know. Mm. Better make a decision on that real soon. It would seem. Yeah. But yeah, from that reporting and, I mean, James Comer and the Republicans, they're not going to let this go. No. It's pedal the metal, and it's going to be drip, 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 drip with more information. So who knows what that means? Going to be uh, fun to watch, though. That is for sure. Uh, okay, I can go ahead and mention this. I mentioned it um, later last week. It's another TikTok challenge that's out there, the one with cracking an egg on somebody's head. I saw this one. Good God, man. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Where it's like, hey, it's like it is a little little prank. <sighs> and then they crack a egg against your head, and usually it happens to the dad figure that's around. If he's around. Or a young child. And yeah, it's kind of like turned around and now it's happening to uh, kids. You're not a big fan of this, Scott, I can tell. Well, it's so dumb. I mean, there's nothing to it. Your kid's sitting there doing something. The parent walks up, bang, smashes an egg on its head, and it runs down. (laughs) It's just dumb. Okay. Well, if that happened, say someone did it to me, and you and David are watching, would you laugh? I'm yeah. guessing you probably would. I don't know if I'd laugh. I think it's more like, what the hell is wrong with that person? Yeah, like, what's going on? Why did your wife do that? Or why did your son do that? Or, you know. Well, some Even parents you... are getting backlash for doing it to their kids. And well, then there yeah. was this kid on TikTok. I think this is edited. Today, we're going to make daddy eggs. You want to crack the first one? Mm-hmm. And then she does it to her kid. Good job. Okay, hey, my turn. <laughs> <laughs> what the f- <laughs> he said what holy cow you got more than an egg to crack there yeah are you ready 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, a lot going on out there. Uh, this is a pretty big story. Uh, the Washington Post, of all places, reporting this. Yeah. I, I, I like that now they're suddenly interested in talking about this. So David Weiss, you know, the, the, the prosecutor who cut this sweetheart plea deal with Hunter Biden, uh, which we were told was not a sweetheart deal. Actually, it turns out David Weiss didn't even want to charge Hunter Biden with anything. That's right. Uh, until then, the IRS whistleblowers came out and said, hey, man, they've been slow walking this entire investigation. Throwing up roadblock after roadblock. And then David Weiss says, well, okay, bud, I guess we got to charge you with something. <laughs> and we Because were, of the optics. He didn't want to, but now he pretty yeah. much has to. Now we've got, you know, we, I, I don't know how many times we've heard David Weiss, you know, Trump appointed U.S. attorney. Yes, every time. Just so happens that both of the uh, senators from Delaware very much wanted him in place as well. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not 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 exactly MAGA bros, okay, uh, that we're talking about here. Well, also, uh, David Weiss, the special counsel, he's been elevated to that part, uh, investigating Hunter Biden, previously worked with Bo Biden in Delaware. Weiss has faced criticism, of course, uh, for offering Hunter Biden an unfairly soft plea deal on tax and gun charges. Weiss, though, has a reputation... Uh, uh, working closely with the Biden family and their political allies in the state of Delaware. Wow. They were buddies. And Trump appointed him. Yeah. Fill the swamp. James! (laughs) Just saying, maybe you didn't know all of the players or how extensive it was at the Mm -hmm. time, but I think had you known that then, he wouldn't have been put in that position. Right. Well, the article is really funny, though, because Delaware, you know, they, they... uh, it's being quoted there. Delaware is a small state. Everybody knows everybody, especially in the political realm. And it is kind of a, a almost mafia-like atmosphere. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, it's it's far worse than we had imagined. I don't know how many times we've said that, but it's really true. You know, I imagine it being bad. Yes. And then it's like on now it's like two steps above that even. Yeah. It's what a swampy mess. Yes. Years to undo. Gosh, dang. What's done. Okay. So with that, and then you have an update here. Because people don't like Biden, and it's all because of Trump. Yeah. That's according to the governor of Minnesota, Tim Walz, on Meet the Press, asked by Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd, hey, why is it that Joe Biden isn't enjoying all the support with all the successes that he's had? Successes? Yeah. Okay. Fewer people want Biden to run again than even Trump to run again. And obviously, what do you make of that? that Joe Biden seems to not have um, this groundswell of support right now. Do you think it's all age? No, I think it's I think it's our system. I think Donald Trump and the Republican Party have poisoned it to people. No one trusts our institutions. No one trusts Congress. No one trusts any of us uh, because all they do is attack our families, do those types of things. Or 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 actually criticize policies, maybe. Oh, my gosh, man. People would get on and say anything, I guess. Is it just his age? Is that it? No, it's uh, Trump and uh, going after him. 
people see what their lives are like. Yeah. They understand inflation. You can tell them, hey, a jobs right now, uh, low unemployment, everything else, and, and we've brought the inflation down. People still go and fill up their gas tank. They go to the grocery store. They're like, I'm still paying way more yeah. than I was before, and I'm not making as much. And then as far as people don't want them to run, why do you think they don't want them to run? When I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which— I mean, goodness gracious. Didn't somebody else just put together a compilation, or was this a while back? Sometimes I can't remember what's the newer audio, what's the older. You can kind of me. We go back a long way. She was 12, I was 30, but anyway. Oh, remember that, that creepy? Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, was going to be here. Oh, yeah, he's looking for the person that's dead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he might be too old for this. I, uh, I'm delighted to see uh, the mayor, mayor Covington and uh, Mayor of Covington, I should say. <laughs> it's one thing after another. He doesn't know where he is. He can't remember names. He is Covington, I think. Uh, Joe, Joe Mayer. Well, I've never believed that. Oh, I well, believe we know quite better than that, so you're right. The, no, but you know, let me just talk for a second. Mm -hmm. I'm, the, I'm a professor. You are the president. That's <laughs> no, all no, that we need. No, I'm Professor <laughs> Biden from Penn. People have had enough. Mm -hmm. He doesn't make sense. And he's getting more and more unlikable as time goes on. People see more and more. Yeah. I think he's having a hard time selling the old lunch pail, hard-working, blue-collar oh, yeah. Joe. Because before, the only reason the guy is going to Hawaii is why? Because of the pressure. Oh, the guy's yeah. not going to show up? Because he was off to yeah, a little vacation. Because goodness knows it's been a long time since he's been on vacation. Right. It was like a whole six days. Yes. It's amazing. Going to go to Lake Tahoe. Well, to a place owned by well, Steyer. What is it? Tom Steyer? Tom Steyer, yeah. Yeah. Green energy guru. Billionaire. Big Democratic donor? Yeah, come stay at my place. You and Jen, the family, come on. You don't think people see that and can't stand it? Well, that, that's why all the left-wing attacks on Clarence Thomas and other conservative justices, because they had wealthy friends. Right. It's like, that's why those aren't landing. Because we all know how this whole thing works. Absolutely. Yes. All right, to another story now, because I'm not familiar with this one. So a CNN legal analyst said the proposed trial date infringes on Trump's rights. Yeah, really? right, right now Donald Trump's legal team is wrangling to set a trial date for his federal case. Well, one of his federal cases, uh, the one that has to do with his claims of a stolen election in 2020. DOJ wants to go to trial in January. Trump wants to go to trial in 2026. He'll kick that okay. can down the road a couple of years. Uh, in a surprising twist, a liberal hack on CNN actually kind of went to bat for Donald Trump. This is Ellie Honig. Okay. Asking for trial to start in January of 2024, as DOJ has done, is also not just unrealistic, but really gets close to infringing on Donald Trump's right to prepare for a trial. He's wow. the one who has a constitutional interest here. He's the one whose liberty at stake. And I think his lawyers in their submission make a powerful argument that we cannot even physically get through the 11 million documents that we are in the process of being given by DOJ between now and January. Wow. Are you surprised by that, Robert? Yeah, I guess I am. I don't know how this stuff works. You know? I mean, that's the problem. When I think about it, we're, we're sitting here in August. I think January, my God, that should be enough time for anything, right? 
Well, no, well, when you put it in the terms of 11 million documents, though. Yeah, right. I, but I didn't know if that was him just saying no, that. There, like, there's a lot of stuff that you got to go 30 through. 30 gazillion or something. You know, no. Yeah. So 11 million. No. I, you're probably right. It just seems stunning to me. That's all. Just the fact that the guy's saying, you know, this isn't really fair. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I yeah. is crazy to me. Oh, no. I've come to appreciate him. <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah. 11 million documents. Us. Yeah. Wow. By the way, if you had missed it, Trump has announced officially he's not doing the debates. Yeah. Why would he? Oh, I think it's a smart move. There's no reason the campaign. I mean, it's fair to say, you know, people can talk about, well, this might hurt him a little bit. Or, you know, I think a lot of voters would like to see him in the debates. That's fine. But I just ask, if you were running the campaign, what would you do? Yeah, I mean, it it reeks of hypocrisy because Donald Trump has frequently criticized uh, different people for ducking debates and whatnot. Um, But, yeah, if you're up a lot the first couple, I mean, I hate it personally. but I I, do, too. I'd I'd like to see him there. Yeah, I I, I understand that. It's better to be out of sight, out of mind. I mean, the guy who is currently president spent most of the last campaign sitting in his basement. So, yes, and at the time... I remember saying, if you were his campaign manager, right. what would you do? Right. You'd keep him in the basement. Did you see him on TV? He was terrible. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're up 20 points, which he is in most polls, I got nowhere to go but down if I do this. Yes. I mean, how can this help me, right? Yes. I mean, no, it can't. So, no, I'm not going to do it. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really blame him for that. I mean, and they'll I mean, hammer him on stage, I'm sure. The other candidates will. Well, you got to be careful about how you do that, too. I agree. I mean, from everything we've heard, it's going to be Ramaswamy really going after DeSantis. Mm-hmm. And probably vice versa. And it's Chris Christie is the one that you hear is really going to be going after Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Tough. Chris Christie. So what? <laughs> Big I know. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah. to me. I mean, it, the whole Chris Christie thing, I think that's the whole reason he's running and for future jobs, yeah. but he's getting traction in New Hampshire. I mean, in the end, does that mean anything? Probably not. But I mean, that part is just interesting to watch. And who's getting who to run and for what purpose, all those types of things. Um, saw a story about just lifestyle stuff out of the um, Wall Street Journal. And it's all about the booming business of American anxiety. Talking about all these companies and entrepreneurs are trying to fill the demand for mental health help. Mm. Because we've heard a lot about mental health, certainly since COVID. And people just have anxiety about a number of different things. And it's not so much that people are scared to get COVID again as much as, well, you have money issues. You know, you're worried about your family. You're just anxious about a whole lot of things. And I don't think social media helps in all of that. Um, So... The amount of times people will Google anxiety relief mm. is pretty astounding. So there's all these companies coming up with different things to try to relieve anxiety. I thought of you during part of this, Scott, watching this, um, because there's one person that interviewed, Jessica, who's tried essential oils. Mm-hmm. And you said at the time that when you were using them, it was very relaxing. Yeah, it was nice, yeah. And then I think it was David that gave you the information. It wasn't good for your cats. And I stopped using them, and I'm using other things now. Yes. What do you use now, by the way? A little way? wax burner. Is the wax burner okay, David, for the cats? Just 
I, sure. I I don't know about the wax burner. I don't even know what a wax burner is. Okay, little squares you put in and it melts the wax and oh, it smells. Gotcha. So it's like a place. candle, but without an open yeah, flame. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, got it. Uh, some people or this Jessica ladies used cannabis honey, uh, Lexapro, and even a weighted wrap to address anxiety. People use weighted blankets a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, the big heavy blanket. Do you have one of those? I don't. No. Okay. No, I love anxiety. I love to be filled with it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really interesting, all these different things. Uh, and sometimes there there might be some sort of trial to know if it really works. Sometimes not. But it is big business right now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, people are looking for ways to relieve it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah. yeah one one of the squeezing b- stress balls, all this different stuff. Jack Daniels straight out of the bottle. Oh, there you go. One of, the, one of the best things you really can do is just turn off the TV or turn off social media for a while. Yeah, I agree with that. And just it take helps. a deep breath and yeah. realize it'll be okay. Get outside, take a walk. Yeah. That's never a bad thing. That right. Um, this is an interesting story. Queen, you know, one of the biggest rock bands of all time. I think their first greatest hits came out in 1981. Yeah. There's been several compilations. Um. Another greatest hits. Well, they're kind of redoing that first one. But there's one song that's being omitted. And they're saying it's because of woke culture. No. no. Do you know what song we're talking about? I think so. Can you guess? Yeah. I think so. You think so? I think so, yeah. Okay. You want me to guess now? No. Okay, I'll wait. Hold it. We'll get to that. And Mexican cartels are dropping bombs? All coming up right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. David, Mexican tar- cartels are dropping bombs? Dude, this is crazy. All right. So, you know, there's it's all-out warfare that's going on in parts of Mexico. This happened in southern Mexico, uh, or it's been going on. A uh, human rights organization says a drug cartel has dropped 33 bombs from drones in a rural community in Mexico this month alone. Holy smokes, man. They started about 11 days ago. Uh, They were also targeted by random gunfire, according uh, to the, again, this human rights organization that's been tracking this. A total of 30 homemade bombs were dropped from drones on one day, three more the next day. Wow. Uh, They also shared cell phone video in which a drone is seen flying over trees and an explosion is heard. (laughs) Okay. It's like th- this territory is ours now, okay? We're we're going to just bomb it until you leave. But it, w- it would be too much for us as a country to declare the cartels a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why is that? Because reasons. Got it. Well, they're wow, dropping man. bombs. That's amazing to me. Yes, it is. I mean... <laughs> I, mean, I car- see the headline. I'm like, hold on a second. I know. The cartels are dropping bombs. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and I, you don't see that one. No. Media, you're not too sure. You don't have the Crips and the Bloods flying overhead dropping bombs wow. yet in America. Mm, not yet. really. No. It's coming. We usually follow after Mexico or Canada. <laughs> Mexico or Canada. You can see it idea. all the time with trends. We'll see. Bombs for equity. Um, oh, I mentioned that uh, Queen, Universal Records, they got another Queen greatest hits coming out. Uh-huh. First one came out in 81. Uh, one that's been on 
greatest hits time and time and time again, because it's one of their most loved songs, is not going to be on there. What? People are saying, hey, it's because of woke cancel culture. Ah, here we go. Yep. So you had a guess of what it yeah, was. Yeah, I, I know what it is. You fat, already saw the headline well, of the story. Well, it's Fat Bottom Girls. I could have guessed anyway. Why? Just because of the subject matter. I've often wondered when I hear it now on the radio. It's like, wow, get on your bikes and ride. Hey, Fat Fanny, such a naughty nanny. I mean, you know. Well, yeah. Left alone with Big Fat Fanny. She was such a naughty nanny. Big woman, you made a bad boy out of me. Yeah. Yeah, but that's body positivity what's what's wrong with that well someone would make that argument say no it's sexist and some people are saying hey what's wrong with being sexy (laughs) uh some industry insiders are actually laughing to themselves saying are you kidding me that song was merely a bit of fun brian may wrote it with freddie in mind actually thought it would just be a fun song it's the talk of the music industry. Nobody can work out why such a good-natured, fun song can't be oh, acceptable in today's right. society. I know. It's, it's actually because of the lawsuit against Lizzo. That, oh. <laughs> I remember getting that album well, and pulling out the poster, and there are all these nude women on bikes. Oh, yeah. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay, biggest story of the day. Uh, biggest story of the day. I think it's the uh, several stories that have come out recently in three different uh, uh, news organizations, uh, leftist news organizations, that kind of show or demonstrate when taken as a whole just exactly how much the fix was in on the Hunter Biden stuff. It's a massive story. It, it really is. And so you got the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Politico all running different stories about these internal communications with the uh, now special counsel who was going mm-hmm. after Hunter Biden, showing how it, how corrupt this whole thing was. Yes. I mean, this seriously, this could be the beginning of the end for old Joe. Update next. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley. I'm the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the millennial. The boomer. The sexy boomer, sorry. Scott Robin. Thank you. By the way, uh, advice for millennials coming up in just a few on how to manage Gen Xers and boomers. Oh, did I write it? Whole piece. Whole piece in the Wall Street Journal today. I was cracking up, man. We'll get to that in a couple. All right. Okay. The whole Hunter Biden thing. And I know some people in the country are still in the dirt. He's just a drug addict and Joe loves his son and that's all this was about. Mm -hmm. They're in the dark, of course. There's a lot to this, and man, is it corrupt. Yeah, so now three different mainstream media organizations, Politico, Washington Post, and New York Times, have run stories on how Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal collapsed. And in part, it was because David Weiss, the U.S. attorney who is now a special counsel, uh, was essentially bullied into slapping some charges onto Hunter Biden. Because he wasn't going to charge Hunter initially. But then when you had a couple of whistleblowers coming out and saying, hey, the feds have been totally meddling in this investigation, not letting us really go down any roads. And anybody else would be facing serious prison time for the offenses that Hunter Biden committed. And Uh, CBS, as I remember, was the only one that was talking to the whistleblower. Yeah, well, Politico ran this story about what went on during the Hunter Biden investigation. And we know there was interference from the feds in it, but apparently 
Hunter's lawyers were ready to bring in the big guy. Uh, Hunter's lawyer said if the Justice Department charged the president's son, his lawyers would put the president on the witness stand. President Biden now unquestionably would be a fact witness for the defense in any criminal trial, according to a letter written by uh, Hunter Biden's attorneys. I'm going to call my dad. (laughs) He'll get the car started and be right over here. (laughs) Imagine it. Yeah, imagine that. (laughs) Wow, man. I'm going to tell my dad. He's going to come over here and beat you up. Yeah. No one said that. Who said that? So tell me, why all of a sudden all the attention? Hmm. What do you think? Honestly, just say exactly what's on your mind, no matter how kooky it sounds. Oh, I, I think because there have I, I've said this for a few months now um, that there were little there have been little drips and drabs of information about Joe Biden's involvement in Hunter Biden's business. And let's be frank here. It's Joe Biden's business. Hunter Biden was the guy running around making the deals, giving yep. Joe cover. Mm-hmm. I think there, that's the important distinction. It was Joe Biden's business. Uh, and more so they've you know, there have been people, whether you want to call them deep state or, or power brokers, whatever you want to call them, have sort of been sending little signals in the form of some stories that get published maybe here and there in the New York Times and the Washington Post, et cetera, uh, building up warning, Joe, you're not running for president again. We are going to take you down. Yeah. And so it looks like, man. And he's saying, no, you're not. And, well, it just seems like at this point there's going to be a snowball effect when they notice that all the attacks on Donald Trump have really not hurt him very much in polling. Yeah. And in some cases, you can see polling went up after after the relentless onslaught of legal cases against him. No doubt. Uh, I figured it would. And so uh, they're realizing, okay, that plan's not working, so maybe we have to find somebody who can actually beat Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. No one. Not, not, not. The history books will note it. It is time for some not to know. I'm I'm wondering how is how have how has this affected Joe's polling numbers? Not helping. Not yeah. much has changed though, has it? Not not really. But those are not the questions that really get asked. Like, hey, do you? I mean, because his polling's been in the gutter too. Oh yeah. It well, and it is true. More people don't want him to run than don't want Trump to run. Yeah, yeah that's that is true. I'm just wondering if perhaps. People just aren't simply are not interested in any of this. It is the election no one wants. That's been written about several times. Getting right back to that initial point, it's the election no one wants. And you start to wonder, does any of this matter to anyone? You feel like you're getting force-fed a couple of candidates, perhaps? I don't know. Well, I think there are a lot of people that recognize if you do another four years with Biden and Kamala, I mean, you're talking about damage that may never get undone. Or did the Biden team just think we could just run the clock out on this thing and people will forget it eventually and we'll they were hoping. move on? Yeah. All right. More on that later. Uh, let's get to the story out of San Francisco, David. Yeah. Uh, there's a big retail store in San Francisco called Grumps. Apparently it's iconic. Uh, it's been there for 165 years. Uh, they may be moving out of San Francisco because it's too dangerous. People don't want to go there anymore. Uh, wow. So the owner, John Chachas, talked about it on Fox News. All right. Roll it. 
you can't get around and when you're trying to walk the streets you step over um, needles and human waste and often mm -hmm. bodies on the streets oh, it makes it an unworkable uh, business environment and I got to the point where I felt like for the benefit of the employees of our company who've worked tirelessly to make us a success well maybe you just need to target adventure seekers yeah I'm an idea guy. I'm just here to help. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Clean up the streets for crying out loud. I needed to speak out and say um, empty offices on the one hand and that element on the other makes for an unworkable business center. I think it can be fixed. I hope it can be fixed. I do. I do have ideas of how to fix it. Guns Where will you move your store to? I don't think we know yet. If we ha First of all, I hope we don't have to. I would really like to see some things corrected. But if we had to, we have we sell in all 50 states. Uh, we have uh, de dedicated uh, people in uh, in all the places that you would want to be Florida, Texas, there's lots of good places to be. Um, I, you know, but our heart is in San Francisco. We want to be in a healthy city. It's sad, man. Yeah. I, I, yes. I like your There's idea. So though. many American cities, dude. It is. It is a bummer to see all that happen. I know that in the past we've been accused of like rooting for these cities to fail. I don't want San Francisco to fail. No. I've only been there once in my life, but it was a beautiful city. Uh, certainly one of America's great cities, and it's been run into the dirt. I want to see it stop getting run into the dirt. Got great memories there. My wife and I, our honeymoon started in San Francisco, drove down the coast. It was awesome, and it was a great city. Um, and, yeah, you hate to see what's happened there. You know, I just want the lights to continue to keep going down in the city. You're a big journey guy. And the sun shining on the bay. Yes. Yeah, that's all. That's yeah. all. Well, I think that still happens. Um. By the way, man, before we leave this, I want to go back to a clip we had earlier in the show with the mayor of Los Angeles, Karen Bass, mm -hmm. uh, because I think she said that it's just right-wing talking points, these big cities. Yeah. Crime trends show crime going down. However, when you have a spectacular type crime happen like this, it does create a sense of fear. But one of the reasons it does is because it's exploited by the press and especially the conservative press that wants to paint Los Angeles and many other Democratic-run cities as though we are in a crisis of crime. And that is not the case. Um, the facts don't match what you're saying there, Miss Bass. Especially you got people saying, I want to do business here in San Francisco. I can't anymore. You got people that are moving. I mean, we see video from these cities. It doesn't lie. It's an absolute disaster. Golly. Okay, I mentioned this. It's in the uh, Wall Street Journal today. And this is about when millennials become the boss. And you've got older workers, you know, like Gen Xers and mm. boomers. And how do you tackle that? Generations are colliding at the office, it says, and in the corporate hierarchy. So what to do? So I just thought because of the dynamics of this show, um, David, I would bring this up and mm -hmm. see if this makes any sense to you. It says, congrats, you're the boss. The only problem is your team knows more than you because of their experience. Right. But now you have to manage them. Um, it tells the story of Jasmine Clark, 43-year-old program manager in New York, um, hearing from someone that reports to her, you could be my granddaughter. I don't have to listen to you. Well, mm. if she's the boss, you probably do. Yeah, you actually do. That's, yes. that's where you're, you say, well, thank you for your service. You're fired. Right. 
You know, but here's the other thing. It all depends on the dynamics of the job. Yeah. Because if it is someone older and they really are valuable to the company and there's no way that the overseer of the entire operation is going to let them get fired, then the person that is the millennial or anyone else that's managing them, you really don't have any power over that mm -hmm. person. And that's a terrible position to be in. Yeah. So that part all, you know, just depends. But in the story, it talks about the power dynamic more managers are facing as they try to rally teams that are becoming more multi-generational. Because millennials are the largest generation in the workforce right now, mostly in their 30s. And you've got older workers that are retiring later, either because they have to or because they just want to keep working. It says the over 55 set will hold an additional 150 million jobs globally by 2030, which is more than it used to be because people were retiring. So as it goes through this story, it's talking about that dynamic of managing older people. And it says some younger managers fret for no reason, convinced older employees hate them when they really couldn't care less. Yeah. Have you ever run into that, David? I have, yeah. But that, to me, the, the any sort of tension and dynamic really falls falls on what the higher up does, what the person who made that individual manager does. Yes, because I've been in a dynamic where you know you're you're supposed to be managing people, and then your boss may tell you hey, you got to get this person to do X, Y, or Z. And then you go to that person, you say, hey, I need you to start doing X, Y, or Z. And then that person goes over your head, talks to the person that, you know, is above you and says, mm -hmm. well, I don't want to do that. And then if that manager winds up throwing you under the bus, well, then what the hell can you do? You just throw your hands up and you're like, okay, yes. well, I don't have any support, so right. you're, you're screwing me. Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, mm. What? No, I'm just Go thinking ahead, I'm the boomer on the show. Yes. And I do whatever my granddaughters tell me to do. <laughs> Are they your boss? Pretty much, yeah. Why? <laughs> because I let it happen. Yes, you do. Yeah. Because if you didn't do what they say, what's the worst thing that could happen? Oh, they might be pout a little bit, but that'd be about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I'm known as Grandpa ATM. I know. It's mm -hmm. it's yeah. crazy. Yes. And then you gripe and moan about it. It's like no one's forcing you, dude. <laughs> I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, in this story, they give uh, these managers that are millennials some advice. They say, hey, get some gravitas here. You, you're going to have to be more assertive in mm -hmm. the end because that is your job. Fine line there, though. Be careful. How so? Fine line between assertive and a jackass. Oh, absolutely. Very fine line. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're assertive and you're fair and people don't like it, they can also find some place else to work. Well, if you're hitting a buck fifty, being assertive might not be good. Well, it depends on the person under you. If they're yeah. hitting a buck fifty, then <laughs> the other thing is you got to get the right people on the bus. Yeah, right? And yeah. if you got the wrong people on the bus, it I, might be your job to get them off. I agree with that, yes. Um, the other part of the advice, I thought it was interesting, and you got to be careful with any of this stuff, really is when you have someone on your team that you're managing and say your situation david where you would be younger but you know they have a wealth of knowledge is to say hey we're going to be working together you know what i want to pick your brain on some stuff because i really do respect how much you know about this yeah. if you would be willing and you go to it you know very humble in that situation mm -hmm. and a lot of times that would work out mm -hmm. they won't use it against you but 
All depends on how good the people are exactly. you're working around. <laughs> Either that or, you know, the dynamic is, hey, the boss picked you over me, and then they put their cigarette out on your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's disrespectful. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a tough one there. Yeah. Um, so, boy, I don't know if you want any sort of Britney Spears update. After this divorce is going on, something bad's going to happen. You mean she's that gotta... marriage didn't work out? Are you kidding me? Dude, she's got real issues. Of course she does. So she made her first public comments on her impending divorce, yeah, saying six years is a long time to be with someone, so I'm a little shocked, but right. I'm not here to explain why, because it's honestly no one's business. She loves the exclamation mm-hmm. marks, too. Three of them there. But I couldn't take the pain anymore, honestly. Three more exclamations. I've been playing it strong for way too long, and my Instagram may seem perfect, but it's far from reality, and I think we all know that. Three exclamations. I would love to show my emotions and tears on how I really feel, but for some reason, I've always had to hide my weaknesses. Three exclamations. Golly. If I wasn't my dad's strong soldier, I would be sent away to places to get fixed by doctors. Three exclamations. But that's what I needed my family the most. Three explanations. Wow. Okay, so yeah, it's trouble. Hope someone's looking after her, man. That's sad, dude. Wow. Okay. Much more to get to. Important stuff going on out there, too. Um, Conservatives using verbal jujitsu to win arguments. What exactly does that mean? And much more coming up right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. I'm thinking this is the whiniest take I've heard in a while. Conservatives use verbal jujitsu to win arguments. Yeah, yeah. It's this uh, this liberal writer at CNN who's very upset that conservatives keep winning arguments, and and therefore liberals have to change the verbiage of whatever it is that they're into right now. Okay. So like climate change instead of global warming, because well, the right just used the word is actually that they the phrase that the writer actually uses is verbal jujitsu. They well. We had to change it to climate change because global warming was an inaccurate representation, and conservatives noticed that and said you shouldn't call it global warming. And that And like, how, how dare they change the term "social justice warrior" to mean an annoying person who's constantly scolding everybody for basic <laughs> opinions? All I think when I hear that is jujitsu. Yeah. So somebody like Joe Rogan really drives you insane. Mm-hmm. Who, as far as I can tell, used to have pretty liberal thoughts yeah. through most of his life. And then all of a sudden starts just telling the truth about things. Ah, oh, Joe Rogan! We need to cancel him! It's just so lame. Weak. My goodness, man. So that's it. Yeah. So when you use facts, that is verbal yeah. jujitsu. How dare they contradict our arguments with facts and figures and well, pointing out that we're just annoying twerps. Oh, my gosh. It was so, like, you know. Right. Yes, that is really sad. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then they freak out. This is the Mark the Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show.
the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay. Where do you want to start, David, this hour? Uh, Joe Biden, corruption, uh, family business? Well, sure, yeah. A little bit more light has been uh, shown here on, on what exactly was going on with the family business while Joe Biden was vice president and his crackhead son was running around the world making millions of dollars off the family name. What is it with right-wingers and their obsession with Hunter Biden? Well, probably because he was helping to sell out the American people to make his dad a few bucks. Yep. Yeah. Uh, president Biden used at least three different pseudonyms during his time as vice president to send messages to his son, Hunter, concerning both family and official government business, including meetings with Ukrainian leaders. So <laughs> at the time, Vice President Biden emailed Hunter under the aliases Robin Ware, Robert, uh, Robert L. Peters and J.R.B. Ware between 2014. <laughs> J.R.B. Ware. <laughs> J.R.B. Sounds, like, sounds like the guy was going market to market working at a morning zoo. Just kept changing his name. <laughs> Gosh dang. But why? So part of it was he was keeping his son aware of what was going on with the uh, president of Ukraine, Petro Poroshenko, and the uh, prime minister in Kiev. So, so. Joe Biden had one of his aides send his daily schedule to the private email address Robert L. Peters at PCI.gov. At Bob least, Peters! Rob Peters. So uh, at least. So stupid. Uh, at least. Rob Peters. Yeah, at, hey, least, Paul. at least 10 times in 2016, copying Hunter, including. There's one time it was a heads up, by the way, we're going to be meeting with this guy. Now, why would the first son need to know that? Well, you know why? I, yeah, I, right, exactly. Why? Why? Why would you need to? Why would you need your kid to know? Hey, by the way, we're doing prep for this uh, for this conversation that I'm about to have with the president of Ukraine. Well, it's all about Burisma, and it's about the the owner of Burisma and what they want to get done in this prosecutor. And you mm -hmm. got to be on top of all of this, Hunter, because I'm going to get that guy fired. Yeah. Either that, or the United States is going to withhold. All this money and aid to Ukraine. And it took a little while, but son of a gun. I'm saying that because I'm not going to say the rest. The, right. then, then the guy was fired. Listen, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. Yeah. And Hunter's a part of that deal. So he's got to know what's going on, David. Yeah. Don't want to leave Hunter out of the loop on no, that. Of course not. Wow, it's all coming out. Especially when you talk about all the publications that are reporting on this now. Something's happening, isn't it? It does feel that way, at least, that that there is more and more evidence coming out about Joe Biden. Failing New York Times, yeah. Politico, Washington Post, too? Yeah. Yeah, something's going on. God, I love those aliases, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's really... Is a Bart Simpson thing going on there? Holy <laughs> <God>. El Barneo. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. So that story's out there. I don't know if you knew this, man, but Bidenomics is working. You know, we've heard that before. No, please. No one seems to be buying that. They keep trying to throw it out there. Bidenomics is working. Wait, it is right. actually working. You see that in the jobs report? You know, yeah, the jobs report. How about that? Yeah. Bidenomics is working. You know, yeah, it is. 
course it is. And I see this story out of the Wall Street Journal talking about car prices might be unsustainable for buyers because we have surging loan delinquencies. I saw that. Man. Yeah, because I sent it to you. Yeah, how about well, that? Well, thanks huh? for that. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. See, I read what you send me. There That's you go. good. That's good to know. Right. Well, I couldn't believe it because it, this is the weird thing when you read in the story. Because a lot of times, talking about the job market and everything else, um, it says these numbers could explain a mystery bedeviling auto uh, lending. Seasonalized rates of severe delinquency for auto loans are the highest since at least 2006. But the jobs market is strong. How is that possible? Okay. <laughs> I. <laughs> you, they can't be that dumb, right? It's not. The jobs market is strong. Yeah. Okay. If the jo- if the if the jobs market is strong, that's great. How much money are people taking home? Exactly. How far is that money going when they when they tally everything up at the end of the month? Well, if it's not covering you know if you're if it's between buying food and paying for your Corolla uh you might be inclined at least to go with the food option but these are but, people yes who, they have their like high-minded economist hat on and they're looking at these well, the federal data say this and that and the other have you ever once even talked to somebody who has strategically bounced checks at the grocery store before I've been one of those people. Well, I know that they won't let me write a check at the sack and save anymore, and it'll cost right. me $20 for the return check, but at least then I can get my ramen noodles. <laughs> you know? Th- I've yes. done that before. Well, dude, as I read the story, I mean, to me it's obvious, and I mean, we're just three jamokes on the radio. You know, you look at inflation, you look what's happened over the last few years, and you can say to everybody, well, inflation numbers are down, okay, but everything's still more expensive than it was two years yeah. ago. And the wages have not been raising at that same level. People are behind from where they were. They don't forget that. So you can tell them, oh, the jobs market's great. Inflation's down. <laughs> it still costs more money. And it's interesting because in this story, it is highlighted in such great detail that it almost seems like they're missing the point of yeah. the information they're reporting on, which is this. Check this out. <laughs> So five years ago, there were a dozen cars that sold for less than $20,000. In 2023, there's only one. And you go down this information, and it says, for the average American, paying off a new car at current prices demands 42 weeks of income. Okay? It was 33 before the pandemic. So over two months wages. Okay. Higher interest rates have made the situation more difficult for buyers. Today's average new car loan has a monthly payment north of $750 with an interest rate of 9.5%. Oh. Did you know that? Oh, I... No, I didn't. I mean, I've never bought a new car, like brand right. new car before, but uh, I, oh my gosh. my Both of my vehicles combined, it's not we're not spending $750 a month. No. I mean... Like, holy smokes. I think all of us feel like the old men river right now. Right, back in my day, I can't imagine right. paying that kind of money. But, I mean, that's what it is. For used cars, the average rate is above 13.7% holy for smokes. interest rate. I didn't wow. know that either. I didn't either. That's brutal. Holy smokes. Yes. Mm. So, yes, as a fund manager, 
uh, those quoted in the story said, usually you get the default spikes when unemployment spikes. It's the biggest correlation in consumer credit. To see them go up that much while unemployment is still low is not typical. No, but we, we're usually not in a situation where we flooded the market with so much money and drove up inflation, and then right. you got you know to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's really not okay. not all that complicated. I these people need to really do research outside of think tanks and faculty lounges and actually get out and talk to somebody who clips coupons sure. to go to Walmart. Yes. They always say they'll get out of the bubble. They don't mm-hmm. hang with real people. Meanwhile, and maybe this shouldn't be surprising, I saw this out of Daily Wire. Marijuana, hallucinogens, and binge drinking hit record highs. Among who? People aged 35 to 50. Well, don't they know the unemployment rate is, uh, rate is low? <laughs> yeah, they should know that. Why is all of this drug use happening? People getting buzzed. Um... Daily marijuana use was reported by nearly 7% of midlife adults. Daily use defined as using the drug 20 or more times in the past 30 days. Last year, a record 28% of adults, 35 to 50, said they use marijuana. More than double the 13% who said that 10 years ago. Hmm. And you can say, what's wrong with a little weed, man? You think that's good for society, really? Well, I, I also wonder, though how the polls get affected by the fact that it has been legalized in so many places. Yeah. Like how many people were just denying it on paper, but, you know, just not admitting it because they knew it was illegal. It could be. But I do know people that would not have used mm-hmm. before, like to this extent, but now that it's legal, it's like, it's okay. Yeah. It, it, the mindset's just completely changed. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's, Record highs. Well, escaping reality is still a thing, you know. Oh, that I think it always will be. Yeah. 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 I, who, what, what, I mean, many comedi- comedians have done the bit. I mean, people are going to get high. I think it was Chris Rock that did a hilarious take on yeah. that. Do whatever. People are going to figure out. Go out the yard and spin circles. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes. Yeah, right. You know. Um, you know what? If you want, like, a nice story to cleanse the palate, like a really kind of a cool story of success. I have it. Sure. You want to hear it? Has anyone heard of Colette DeVito? She's 32 years old. Mm-mm. Has Down syndrome. Mm-mm. She had struggled to get a job after college. So with her mom's help, she started her own business. She always loved baking. So what was this like eight years ago? She launched a company called Coletti's Cookies. Got one store to start selling them, and everything's just grown from there. So there's a TV station in Boston just did a story on her because she has around 15 employees, including others with disabilities. And Coletti's cookies are now sold in over a 1,000 stores across the country. Wow, that's, that's awesome. I'm like, wow, man, that's really cool. And it was cool to hear part of the interview because um, – she talks about how her mom can be tough to work for at times. So th- this is her and her mom kind of going back and forth in this story. I had no friends. I was bullied. I wasn't really on the road of what Colette was working on, and I kind of threw her in it for the skills and that she could get that I wasn't able to teach her, and voila, a, a cookie monster was born. If you really want this, we're going to sit down every day until this is done. She can be very... <laughs> 
top of me. But that is what mom's is for. And I walked her through all the steps, and she did everything. Over a thousand stores yeah. now, man. You tell me that's a the white male ableist patriarchy didn't keep her down. <laughs> tell me that people actually supported her. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Wow. Yep. Accomplished more than Hunter Biden, that's for sure. That's Only true. in America. <laughs> Only in America. Yeah. Very happy for Colette. I thought that was really cool. Okay, we got to get to a uh, news update. And Scott loves hearing about the Egg Crack Challenge. Another update on that coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Uh, library in Davis, California, shut down an event uh, yesterday because one of the speakers referred to men playing in women's sports. You yeah. see there, the librarian there was under the impression that that's illegal in California to just say men play, biological men playing in women's sports. And so there was a protest that showed up because, of course, there was uh, you know, people wearing the old progress or whatever they call it, the flag. That's got yeah, because they have no life, and that's their religion, right? They, they, yeah. I mean, yeah. And well, apparently, the first, the very first speaker, just said men in women's sports wasn't targeting any individual, wasn't speaking about anybody in the room or even anybody in particular. Just men playing women's sports. Okay. Well, this guy comes in and says, "I'm sorry, but you're going to have to leave." Okay. Oh. All right, roll it. Okay, I asked you to leave earlier, so I, I still, I still fall on a shoe with that. No. Why don't you call the police and let the police in? Why don't you let the police in? Okay, great. Let them figure it out because you don't know what's going on. You were saying males in female sports, okay? That's right. That's a biological reality. Okay, uh, we got more audio to get to, but I couldn't hear exactly because he's like, it's sort of getting faded out. The yeah. guy that's saying the guy's got to leave, he said what there? You are not creating an You're not creating what? You're not saying it. that Yeah, I could men know. are playing yeah. women's sports. Okay. You're not saying that. Stop saying no, that. No, no, I will continue to say it. No, you won't. You will stop. <laughs> no, I will not. I, I asked earlier. Yeah, I, I know you asked earlier. earlier. So what? So I will shut the program down if, if, if that's what happens. Oh. If he does not leave the building, the program is shut down. We're done. Okay. Well, how did that all get resolved then, David? Oh, well, they had to leave. Because cops were threatening them? No, 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 not not the cops. The librarian was saying, no, you got to go. We're shutting down the event. Yeah. Was he going to whip out a can on somebody? Didn't apparently, sound like he was capable. Apparently, apparently so. Just, no, you were not. You were turning out the lights on your event because oh, you were geez. misgendering a hypothetical person. <laughs> People are a joke. God, I mean, just <laughs> laugh at him. It's ridiculous. It's reality. Sorry, man. It's not to hurt your feelings. It's just reality. It's one thing we just have to live society under is reality. Golly. Men participating in women's sports, you cannot say that. Mm -mm. Okay. Yeah, you can't well, speak the truth. Well, it's a, a constant assault on the truth. Uh, communists are going to communist, man. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to. Yes, that's well said. Okay. Uh, man, should we get to Taylor Swift now or the four-day school week? Uh, Your pick. You can do the, the, let's do the T-swizzle. 
T-Swizzle, did you see she went to a wedding over the weekend? I did. To somebody else's wedding? Yeah. And a mob showed up outside just to catch a glimpse of her? Insane. That is, it is crazy. It's nuts, man. Yeah, I saw the video. Yep. I understand how big she is, but uh, there were other stars there. Channing Tatum, Zoe Kravitz, Lana Del Rey was there. But, the, of course, the real attention was on Taylor Swift. This was Andy McDowell's daughter getting married to a music producer. And so she's there. And, man, I don't know if you saw the video. It's like they needed crowd control from just people wanting to see her walk from, you know, the building to the car. It's crazy. Do you ever think if she's not moving quickly enough, private security makes a joke about her last name being Swift? (laughs) I would. Probably. Yes. She no longer has the number one song. Richmond North of Richmond is now number crazy. one. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Do you think Taylor Swift's a, has, a happy person? Uh, no. No, I don't either. Doesn't seem to be. Why is that? Oh, because she hasn't, she hasn't found the right man yet. Is it the guy's fault or her fault? I, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I could fix her. I'm happily married, but I could fix her. Okay, more on that coming up. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. We're not done with that. No, we're not. I got to hear this. David could fix her. That's the, okay, forgive me asking what the biggest story of the day is. That is the biggest story of the day. That would captivate the nation. David Van Camp, David Markley Van, Van, Camp. Van Camp and Robin I, says he can fix Taylor Swift. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, she's a self-consumed narcissist, and unfortunately, the, the men that she tends to pair with are also self-consumed narcissists, and... They also realize how big of a star she is, and then once they get tired of her crap, they just stop trying as well. So wow. So she needs a guy who hates himself, in other words. No, she needs a guy who <laughs> okay. hates her. Okay, got it. <laughs> like from jump. Okay. News update, the Robin Trifecta and Van Camp fixing T Swizzle next. The Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. All right, before we get to the trifecta, news update, David Van Camp. Well, I, I, you had something about four-day school weeks or something. I was kind of interested in hearing about that. Oh, yeah, man. Definitely get to that. Um, well, this is Louisiana. Parents are upset because of this school board's decision to move from a five-day school week to four-day. School says it's a lack of teachers and employees. It's one of the reasons we had to do this. Um, so what you'll hear here parents and then the superintendent scott richard talking about the change because this is a tough thing when you can't find enough teachers it's got to be you know there's got to be more incentive all of that stuff roll it cutting down kids learning is costing more out of parents pockets for daycare after school activities is going to be hard to get to it's a nationwide issue with teacher recruitment and employee recruitment making sure people are happy on their jobs were some of the factors that led into us considering moving to a four-day work week. You know, they, I don't think they got to get their education like they, they need to. Hmm. So where do you come out? I mean, if you are a superintendent and you're like, I don't know what to do. We can't find enough teachers. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's an incentive where you're talking four-day week, then we can certainly find enough people to staff us for the school. So we're going to have to move in that direction. Well, I mean, without having been through budget sessions and things like that, I don't, I don't know what else they could have cut in order to try to bring your personnel in. 
but I mean, to me, it kind of seems like a situation where you have to start dividing up uh, into a different school district. But again, I, you know, uh, like have two different tax entities essentially existing in order to make sure that kids can be in school five days a week because the the, the work week is kind of structured, or I should say the school week is kind of structured around the parents' work week. And so, yeah, if you have an extra day, then you're then if I'm a taxpayer there, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm already paying to make sure that there's a public school system in place, and now you're mm-hmm. telling me that I've got to pay more in order to compensate for the fact that the school district has failed to meet its its basic obligations. But if you don't have enough teachers, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, I mean, you've already got these days like it's, uh, you know, like days they take off of school that, you know, your regular American worker is not going to get that day off, yeah. whether that's a holiday or Teachers Institute or whatever it might be. You already have that in place. So I don't know that there's an easy answer. Scott? No, well, <laughs> if, when I, if, I, if I was a kid or as an adult, if I was a kid, four days would be great. <laughs> But as I'd far be as, so for it. It would be as far as a you know, parent. No, I don't think it's a good yeah. idea. No, I think it's a terrible idea. But again, what are you going to do? I know. I mean, you know, you got to figure out. You got to figure that out first, and you got to figure out why people are not going into teaching. Mm-hmm. What's what's the what's the idea? Why aren't they doing it? Why are there a lack of people doing it or wanting to do it? What's the reason behind that? Look at the last three to four years. Yeah. Well, I would agree with you. If that's the reason, then we can change that, can't well, we? And and one of the reasons I know that you know teachers unions and advocates and activists will always say, well, it's bad compensation, et cetera, which, again, is kind of a self-defeating thing. If you're telling everybody, hey, by the way, they're not going to pay you squat to be a teacher, mm-hmm. well, then you can't really call yourself a, a, a pro-teacher organization because you're act- actively driving people away. But also one of the reasons there's a teacher shortage is because a lot of teachers have quit. Yeah, And there are a lot of different reasons for that, obviously. Everybody's an yep. individual who makes their own individual decisions. But one uh, uh, fairly consistent reason is burnout from all the bureaucratic stuff they have to do. Yes. There's also conscience. I know a number of teachers that I could not do it anymore. What the curriculum was, mm-hmm. I just could not do it. I don't blame them. But yeah, I mean, it's very tough. You know, when you got parents that need the job and have to work and then, okay, how am I going to work this out? Mm -hmm. I got to figure out who's going to watch the kid. Right. But I mean, dude, that's it's another reason why having a support system around you is incredibly important. And if you just happen to bring up what also helps for, you know, at least until for a little while um, to have mom at home. Oh, (laughs) patriarchy. Yeah. Yep. All that stuff. I mean, if you're looking at what's best for kids, and it's not somebody's opinion, that you can look it up through a ton of research. You know, all that stuff is important. But you start talking about, well, that's why sometimes when you have extended family that live close to you, that's a big advantage. You're getting in the way of my hopes and dreams and moving. Well, okay, that's fine, but that's your choice. You know, it's weird because when I was a kid, my mom worked after we got into school, my sister and I. Yeah, and uh, my grandma was available to come pick us up if we got sick at school or something. I mean, there was family support all over the place, right? Yes. Yeah. That, that, that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what you did. Yeah, I spent a lot of time at both sets of grandparents, or you know, like after school, before mm-hmm. a practice, yeah. that sort of thing. Of yeah. going there and getting something to eat at grandma's sure. house, and yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mentioned this earlier, this egg crack challenge thing. Um, that's another TikTok shoot challenge. And it's really irritating some people because all it is is cracking an egg against somebody's head, filming it, and then like, ah! Some, some people roll with it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if it's a daughter doing it to her dad, that sort of thing. Um, but now some parents are doing it to their kids. Yeah. You don't like that. No. It's it's weird. The kid doesn't like it either. What's no. this? I'm going to crack an egg on my kid's head. Who does that? What well, this person did. It just to to okay. roll this out because it's it's interesting where it hey. is. Make daddy eggs. You want to crack the first one? Mm-hmm. Good job. Okay, hey, my turn. <laughs> what the? F- okay. Yeah. So there you go, and the little kid. What the plate? Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. All right. In another episode of Who You Judging? <laughs> That little kid says, what the bleep? What does that say about the parent? Well, that, that's exactly the type of parent I would expect to try to crack an egg on a kid's head. Yeah, I mean, this is a toddler. Yeah. For crying out loud. So he's yeah. hearing that all the time. Well, and the toddler's going to do it as well to some yeah. adult who doesn't want it done to them because well, mom did it. That's, that's really the thing. To me, I you know I've seen some people go as far as to say it's like child abuse. Well, I I don't think it's child abuse. I think it's dumb, and I think it is very very self defeating as well. Uh, because your toddler will emulate you, will 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 imitate things that you do, and you're gonna have a lot of wasted eggs, and you got yeah. nobody to blame but you. Yeah, that's probably true. They're gonna walk up to the mailman and smash an egg in his face, and all hell's gonna break loose. <laughs> hey, you watch when you do that. Do you do that to the wrong person? They don't have a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. but it's funny. You know, mom did it. It's hilarious. <laughs> all right, Robbins, you ready for yeah, your big let's three? Do it. Here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day about this time, Scott Robbins' trifecta, helped by his hero. I'm Casey Kasem. And have a good weekend? Yes. Okay, good. I'm ready. Invite me over again. Three. Yeah. Uh, number three, 14 major American cities are signing on to a pledge to try to limit people's lives. This is unbelievable. It's a globalist climate organization known as C40, Cities Climate Leadership Group, funded in part by guys like Michael Bloomberg, the Democrat billionaire. And 100 cities across the world make up the organization, including 10 here in the U.S. Now, their target is for the year 2030, zero meat consumption, zero dairy consumption, three new clothing items per person per year. Zero private vehicles owned, and you get uh, sh- one short-haul return flight less than 15 kilometers every three years per person. Now, the American cities who have signed on to this are typical. Austin, Boston, Chicago, Houston, L.A., Miami, New Orleans, New York City, Philly, Phoenix, Portland, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Seattle. Now, question, what do all these cities have in common? Communist. I give. Communist governors <laughs> are, are mayors. Yes, of course. Okay, so again, it's you're limited what you can do, and then you're not going to own stuff. Right. You won't own a car. No. 
That's that whole World Economic Forum nonsense. Yes. Yes. You will own nothing, and you'll like it. And you'll like it. Yes. Yeah. Colin, I can't eat any cow. I can't drink anything from a cow. Cows will be useless. Right. But boy, that's going to keep us from burning up the earth. I, 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 for one, at least for the uh, for the uh, beef and milk production stuff, I think it's mm-hmm. great. It'll drive down the uh, the costs of beef and you know milk products for those of us who don't live in crazy cities. <laughs> or people won't invest in it anymore. Therefore, right. driving the cost up. I don't know. Okay. Gosh dang it. All right. That's a nice one. And the countdown yeah. continues. Scott Robbins, trifecta, the top three of the day. None of this stuff's going to go through, by the way. Two. Uh, oh. no, number two, uh, you're, you're wanting to talk about COVID being back. Well, the Biden administration is renewing their push for Americans to get the COVID-19 boosters because there is a new variant of COVID out there. This one, by the way, turns you inside out and makes you speak in tongues and become a Nickelback fan. But besides <laughs> that... So if it's a new variant, new why, variant. The, why the push for the old vaccine booster? Well, this is the new vaccine booster. This is assuming mm. you've already had the other booster, see. So this booster matches this, the new variant. Right. Okay. It takes on the other variants. Got it. Got you. Oh, yeah. Golly, yeah. we're going to have people born with tails here eventually. <laughs> the Scott Robbins trifecta. Yes. Top three of the day. Say yes. it again. No, the people will be born with tails. Maybe wings. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you. Okay, and now it's time for number one. Number one, Pennsylvania congressional candidate made a fool out of himself. A major fool out of himself. (laughs) He made the comment that reparations are not a big deal. Reparations are not a big deal because they come from the government and not you, the people. What? How do you think the government gets the money? They get it from us, the people. (laughs) Moron. This guy's running for Pennsylvania Congress. The government taxes the people, borrows money from your future, raises funding to pay their bills. You can't be this dumb, can you? He may know that, Scott. What he's doing is getting that message out there. I'm all about reparations, yeah, which okay. means I want your vote. Yeah. I don't know what you stuff for you. What you people are bitching about, government's not going to pay that. <laughs> you are. Of course. But to a certain amount of people, that sounds like a good deal, and he may get their vote. I do. I just beat my head against the wall sometimes. These people are running for office and probably win. Yeah. And there you have it. This guy, Robin Strifecta, top three of the day. Thank you very much, You're welcome. Appreciate it. It's really been an honor for me. Of course, all Why don't you show up some weekend? We can do something. We don't, ever. He's already off the line, I think. Oh, is he? Okay, see ya. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. No, I guess not. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, Van Camp's going to fix Taylor Swift. We got a news update and Nimrods in the news. All to get to coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Big question. Why is Politico, the Washington Post, the failing New York Times all of a sudden interested in this Hunter Biden case? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could be that somebody is, you know, well... Dripping out more and more information to them, and they're they're picking it up, uh, being the useful pawns that they've been in the past. It could be that they're suddenly realizing, okay, we got to at least try to start talking about something negative with Biden because nobody's buying this Bidenomics crap. Nope. Uh, or uh, I don't know. It it could also be, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, we grew a conscience, and we realize that boy, a lot of people don't trust us anymore. Yeah, that could be too. David Weiss, 
special counsel. He's in charge of it. Yeah. He was going to drop everything before on yeah. Hunter Biden. Drop it until Not the whistleblowers said what they said. And then, okay, well, we'll just try to slide this by. Plea deal. Until the judge caught that. It's massive corruption. Are we going to expect that on Good Morning America tomorrow? <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. I just uh, uh, did a, a quick scan of CNN.com. Yeah. A different network, of course, and it's talking about Hurricane Hillary, and that. Well, of course, that's that's a big story. Yeah, um, you've got the the flooding that's happening as a result of the uh, heavy rainfall in mm-hmm. Southern California. Uh, then it's talking about Trump, 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 and then uh, Charlize Theron denies she's had bad plastic surgery. Those are the top stories on CNN.com as we speak right now. So don't expect them to cover it. ABC, yeah. NBC, we'll see. Okay. Um, And just to put a cap on this other story, we all agreed Taylor Swift, while incredibly successful, Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be the happiest person. And, David, you said you could fix her. Yeah. And what I I mean by that is uh, she needs to uh, uh, take a chance on a metalhead who hates her music. Oh man! Because you think about her her arc, right? In the in the dating world, she's never found anybody to be happy with or anything like that. And it's because earlier on in her uh, young adulthood, she was on the rise. You know, she was she yeah. was making a career, and she thought, "Well, I'm not going to slum it with the with the guys from my hometown or whatever. I'm not going to do that. I want to I want to chase the clout, right? So you and then you get to a point where everybody else is chasing clout to be with her and. Well, eventually they get tired of her antics and say, see you later. Then she writes a hit song about them. I think you just, you got to find a guy who's re- really doesn't care that you're Taylor Swift. That's probably true. And you're probably one of those guys. I, well, I'm happily married with two kids. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, you got to find somebody like me, you know, a, a average height, fat schlub who really doesn't care that much that you're Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's Pete Davidson. He's busy. What? <laughs> Joe Jonas, John Mayer, Jake Gyllenhaal, Taylor Lautner, Harry Styles. I mean, that's a that's a track record, man. Mm-hmm. That's a super group. <laughs> Something. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got to get to Nimrods. Roll it out. Let's go. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrod's the news story out of Denver. Uh, United Airlines pilot facing charges because he used an axe to attack a wooden parking arm at the Denver airport this month. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> Kenneth Jones, he's 63. I'm not saying it, it's right, but I understand. Said there's security footage of this. He was in this employee parking lot that tends to have long lines, and for whatever reason, he snapped. And he had an axe in his trunk. He grabbed it, started chopping. <laughs> 23 swings later, the wooden arm, gone. Two airport employees caught him, wrestled away the axe, was arrested. Jeez. He's on leave. We'll see what happens. Oh and that's God. Nimrod's in the news.